Welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. Today we have part two of a message on spiritual gifts from Pastor Roy Burkett. If you missed part one, feel free to go back and download last week's podcast or listen to it online. Today, Pastor Roy will finish up his message on spiritual gifts and be looking primarily from the book of Romans. We encourage you to open up your Bibles and follow along. We're going to start off just sharing a a story this morning about uh, two guys who had unusual names, uh, Luigi and Pasquale, and maybe you've heard this story before. Uh, They were ditch diggers. Um, They were down in the ditch digging one day, and and they began, you know, interacting, and, and Luigi uh, says to Pasquale, how's come we're down here doing all the work while Mr. Supervisor sits up there sipping on lemonade under a shade tree and we're doing all the work? And Pasquale says, well, I don't know. And uh, Luigi says, well, maybe I'll go find out. So Luigi climbs up out of the, the ditch and he says, Mr. Supervisor, he said, we were down there talking, we were kind of wondering why you get to sit up here under the shade tree sipping on lemonade uh, while we're down there sweating like dogs doing all the hard work and you're collecting your paycheck and seemingly not doing hardly anything. And uh, well, he said, Luigi, I'll tell you what it is. He said, it's called intelligence. And he said, intelligence? He said, what's that? He said, well, he says, uh, take your shovel and follow me. So he followed him over to this huge, gigantic tree And he says, now take your shovel with both hands. And uh, he said, and he put his hand out. uh, The supervisor put his hand out in front of the big tree. And he says, I want you to take your shovel and swing it as hard as you can and hit my hand. And so Luigi, man, he gears up and he swings that thing. And right at the last second, the supervisor pulls his hand back and he boom, hits the tree like that. And and, uh, he said, that's called intelligence. (laughs) So he went back down in the hole in the ditch, and uh, they're digging again, and Pasquale says, hey, Luigi, did you find out how come we're down here doing all the work, and and, uh, Mr. Supervisor's up there just sitting, sipping on lemonade, and he said, yeah, I did. He said, well, why is that? And Luigi said, it's called intelligence. He said, well, what's intelligence? He said, Pasquale, pick up your shovel. Hit my hand. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no tree down in the ditch, so he was kind of stuck. Well, that humorous story reminds me when my uh, brother and I were little boys, uh, we had a, a basement. Well, it wasn't a basement. It wasn't a finished basement. We had the, it was almost like a bomb shelter because we had the doors that, you know, were kind of on an angle and they would fold out like this and you'd go down the, the stairs and uh, it, our furnace was down there and then it was full of dirt. And my dad gave us the idea. He said, you know what? If you will go in there and dig out all that dirt, he said, we could put in a basement. So, I mean, we were like 12 maybe or something like that. And and so my brother and I thought, well, yeah, we can do that. And man, we got down with our shovels and picks and we started digging that dirt out. And we had to carry it by bucket and put it in a wheelbarrow and go up the steps and down the steps. And we did that for a few days and that was, we were done. (laughs) We didn't come anywhere close to getting that accomplished. And so I share that with you to say that the foundation is so vital, but sometimes the foundation, it seems like we never get the foundation finished to really build on what God wants us to build on. 
And so when we talk about spiritual gifts today, we're going to still talk about foundation because the foundation, the digging part, is, is the part that takes some effort, but really the effort has been supplied for us through the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's our part to understand and really comprehend and grasp what God wants us to comprehend. So the first off, uh, what I would like to do is uh, remind us uh, from last week, we talked about spiritual gifts being an expression of grace and an expression of the Spirit of God. So the grace of God working in us through the Spirit of God, we're able to share uh, with one another. And I'm just going to kind of go through this quickly because we talked about this last week. Then we talked about a definition. We said there's lots of definitions, so don't get hung up on just one. But here's a definition. A spiritual gift is any event, word, or action that embodies and expresses God's grace. Uh, we took this out of Tyndale Bible Dictionary. So an event, word, or action that embodies and expresses God's grace um, is a spiritual gift. Then we talked about distribution. Every believer has at least one spiritual gift. At least one. Discovery, if we move from uh, understanding the distribution to discovery. We had gift bags up here last week. And we gave the gift bag to Daryl and he graciously participated. But we gave that gift bag to him. Remember, he was not allowed to open it. Why? Because he, first of all, didn't even understand he had a gift. Now, that's not really true about Daryl. But we're just saying he represented a segment of people in the church who receive a gift, but they don't even know they have it. So they haven't even discovered what it is. So we need to discover what gift God has given us. Secondly is development. Then we develop the use of the gift for God's glory. Once we discover it, we open it up. We had Jessica come up. Jessica opened the gift, but then she never actually used it. She took it home and she set it on the shelf and admired it and never really got to use it. So we want to use the gifts that God has given us, not just put them on the shelf. And then we talked about four purposes of spiritual gifts. Number one, to edify the body of Christ. We do that by strengthening the body of Christ through instruction and through example. We strengthen the body of Christ. And the purpose in edification is that we all become more like Jesus. We all become more Christ-like. That is God's desire. Secondly, it is to unify the body of Christ that we grow together. God has not given me all the gifts. He has not given you all the gifts. He wants us to work together to accomplish these gifts. And therefore, there's a unity through the interdependence that we have on one another. Thirdly, to magnify the cross of Christ. Our gifting is for the purpose of making Jesus known to the world. If we only come in, we sit in a nicely decorated church and a beautifully landscaped lawn, a beautiful sign out front, and beautifully dressed people, but we do not magnify the cross of Jesus Christ on which he died, then we are not using our gifts in the right way. It would be a dysfunction of our gift and a dysfunction of the body. So we magnify. Paul said, I determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Fourthly, then, to glorify the Father of Christ. We glorify the Father of Christ when we bear spiritual fruit. We bear spiritual fruit when we use and exercise the gifts that God has given to us. All right, so today we're going to move on, and we're going to talk about recipients of spiritual gifts. 
Again, we are moving slow because here's the part that we really have to grasp. Because I, I, I think when something is not working properly, if Donnie can tell you, or house builders, if you have a structure that you have built and you have not spent adequate time on the foundation, then you have a very shaky structure and maybe one that's going to collapse. And maybe here's the reason so many people are not using their gifts. So that's why I want to spend time on this, because so many people have not fully grasped this. I have been a Christian over 40 years. Some of you said, I didn't know you were that old. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but anyhow, I've been a Christian over 40 years, and the things that I'm going to share with you, I am still processing still trying to understand in a greater way. And you're going to understand that when I share with you what that is. So I hope that you will wrestle with this as well. Recipients of spiritual gifts. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, if you will look there with me, he talks about offering our bodies as living sacrifices in chapter 1 in view of God's mercy. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. So here, Paul is making an appeal to his brothers in Christ on the basis of grace. Notice he is not coming as a dictatorial leader demanding and commanding them to be a certain way. But he is making an appeal by the grace of God. He had experienced the grace of God. He recognized that he was the worst of sinners and he is appealing to his brothers by grace because he has experienced grace. And we need to understand grace when it comes to using our spiritual gifts. So I say, he says, by the grace given me. Notice the personal nature of the grace of God that Paul shares. I say to every one of you, he is not using his apostolic authority. He is not wielding some spiritual authority over them other than the authority that God has given him. He sees his life and his role as one appointed by God to carry out a particular task. And when you and I have been gifted by God, it is our life and our role to carry out the task that God has given to us by the grace of God. Remember we said at the outset, it's the expression of grace and the expression of the Spirit of God. And the more I understand the fullness of God's Spirit, I will express grace through my life. And it's vital that we do that. He did not see himself as special. He saw his Savior as special. He wanted the people in Rome to remember that they were sinners too, saved by grace. So look at this verse here. Ephesians 4, 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of what? Christ's gift. Grace is a gift given to us so we can use the spiritual gifts according to the grace of God. If we don't understand that God has given us his grace, 
we're not going to use our spiritual gift. If I understand that God has given me his grace to use that gift, then I'm going to use that gift. I think there's a great ignorance about the grace of God in people's lives, therefore they're not using their gift. If they understood the grace of God, you can't help but serve God. You can't help but be involved in his work. So that's why I want you to get, understand that. So these people in Rome are, we're going to talk about three things. Three things that all of us know, but we need to be reminded of. And it's easy for us to forget. And please, let these sink in. My prayer is it will sink deeper into my own heart and deeper into your heart because this is going to be life-changing for all of us if we do this, okay? But you're going to have to work at it like the ditch digger in understanding it. It's already there for us, but we've got to understand it. Number one is we are loved by God. We do not comprehend the love of God. No human fully comprehends it. If we go back to the opening chapter of Paul's book, because why? He says, I say, he says in verse 3 of chapter 12, for the grace given me, I say to every one of you, well, who are the people he's talking to? He's talking to these people right here, the people who are loved by God. He says, to all who are in Rome, who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. So these people are loved by God. Now this is crucial because God's love for me, my comprehension of that is the basis of my loving you. Right? Understand that if I do not understand and comprehend God's love for me, I will have a hard time loving you. You will have a hard time loving me if you do not comprehend the love of God and the grace of God. When we understand that, we can love one another better and deeper. And that's more important than any spiritual gift we can ever be given. And so I need us to comprehend this. I will have no desire to build others up if I have not experienced God's love toward me. I will have no desire to build you up. I'll be so concerned about building myself up, taking care of myself. So here is the deal. God's love for me meets some basic human and spiritual needs in my life. And I want to share four of them. These needs are met in my life. Now you think about people who are outside the faith, who do not know Jesus Christ and do not know they're loved by God. And you look at how their life operates because they try to get these things from other people. And they're disappointed because you cannot get all of this from other people. You can get some, but not all that God would have for us. And here they are. Number one, I have a need to belong. And the love of God tells me I belong. I don't have to earn to belong. I don't have to work to belong. I don't have to do something to belong. I belong to God. I am loved by God. And why is that important? It's important for this reason. It gives me a sense of security. You see, one of the reasons many people will not use their spiritual gift is because they don't know they belong and they have no sense of security in their life. And they're trying to look for security from somebody else. Well, tell me I'm good. Tell me I'm loved. Tell me there's something good about me. They don't feel good about themselves at all. They feel worthless. 
They feel insecure. And one of the tools of Satan to keep people from being involved in ministry is insecurity. And I'll tell you this. You know how many people wrestle with insecurity? 100% of us. You say, wait a minute, that includes you. Yes, it includes me. All of 100% of us wrestle with insecurity. But God has taken care of our insecurity issue by saying you belong because I love you. Oh, that is so freeing. It frees me to be who I am. It frees me to be who God created me to be so that if I use my gift and somebody doesn't like how I use my gift, that's their problem, not mine. God has gifted me to use that gift. I belong. My need to belong has been met through the love of God. That's a wonderful thing. I feel cared for and protected. Now, there will be people who will come through the doors of Bethesda Church who have not experienced God's love. And during their time here, even in our worship service, if they see us loving one another, that's an incredible testimony, an incredible testimony to them. So how important is it for us to love one another? It's vital. Or when we meet people in the marketplace who are starving for love, they're looking for love in all the wrong places, and we cross paths with them, and we expose them to God's love, it is a powerful attraction to the person of Jesus Christ, as it should be. So I have a need to belong, and God has met it through his love. I have a need for self-worth. So do you. My self-worth gives me a sense of value, that I'm important, that I'm worth something, that I count, my life counts. Is there anybody that, who doesn't want their life to count, that they want to matter to someone, <laughs> that they want worth? Yes, we all need worth. God has put his worth on me greater than any other person by dying on the cross for my sin. I mean, I, to grasp the love of God for me, His worth for me. And then sometimes when I'm going through a hard time, I think God isn't loving me. How could I possibly question His love based on what He's done for me? So my life counts, and I have a sense of value because of God's love for me. I don't have to get that from you. I get it from the Lord. See how important that is? Thirdly, I have a need for competence. That I can contribute something. That I've got some wits about me to contribute something, to do something that is worthwhile, and to society. And when my need of competency is met, it gives me a sense of adequacy. I am adequate not because you tell me I'm adequate, because God has showed me I'm adequate because he loves me. That's vital. Absolutely vital. Fourthly, I have a need for purpose, a sense of mission in my life, a reason for my existence. Now, I think some people's reason for existence is just to give somebody else a hard time. <laughs> they want to be a thorn in somebody else's side. That is not my reason for existence. My reason for existence and your reason for existence is that we can love one another in such a way that the gospel is made attractive to the world. And spiritual gifts operate always in the context of love, and that's why I'm spending so much time on it. 
Because we can use our gifts and do all these things, but if it is not done in the context of love, with the expression of the Spirit of God, we, it's all for naught. It is all for naught. So here's a question. How does God give me this love? How does He do that? How much love is it? How strong or durable is God's love? Because it's going to be tested. It's going to be find out how strong it is, if it's able to support me and sustain me and keep me. Let me give you a verse. Romans 5, 5, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love, listen, has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, we said it's an expression of grace and an expression of the Spirit, and do you see how it works through the context of love? Because God in His grace gave us His love. God's love has been poured into our hearts, not sprinkled, not dribbled, <laughs> poured. What that means is God's love has saturated and soaked my heart to the point where what comes out of me is love. Love for you, love for the lost person, Love for the person who doesn't have a clue and feels worthless. Love for the people who might walk through and they just had an abortion. It's the love of God that will transform them. That's what transforms us. And it's been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit that He has given to us. So I need to be in God's Word because God speaks to me through the Holy Spirit. And as I avail myself of the Word of God, the Spirit of God talks to me and reaffirms God's love for me. And I want to be in that every day because I wrestle with insecurity, I wrestle with belonging, I wrestle with self-worth, and all those things are met in Jesus Christ. And it's a wonderful thing. It means that God's love is expressed without restraint. It's like the wine that burst the old wineskins in Matthew and Mark. And when Jesus turned over the money changers' tables and the money spread everywhere, that's what it means. God's love is spread everywhere in my heart. Every nook and cranny is spread. But here's the challenge. I have to learn that and allow that to be my experience with people. Because sometimes I get short with people, I get impatient with people, I get frustrated with people, and I have to remind myself, wait a minute, I'm to be a channel of the love of God to them, to be a representative of Christ. And am I going to fail? Absolutely. But we want it to be, understand that we have been soaked and saturated. It is a downpour. We have been submerged in the love of God. And that's so vital. Now, let me, let me just uh, mention this. Here's a song that we've sung, and most of us probably know it. But I want you to, again, focus on the words for a moment, okay? The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. Now, let's stop for a moment. Tongue. The greatest orator in the universe or all of them combined, could not communicate the love of God. It's impossible. 
That's what he's saying. Pen. The greatest writers could not somehow get down on paper how great God's love is. It is beyond definition and description. It goes beyond the highest star. The most visible thing we can see, the furthest away with a telescope in our universe, God's love goes beyond that. It reaches to the lowest hell, the poorest depravity, the sickest individual, <laughs> the most despicable person. God's love reaches lower than that. The guilty pair bowed down with care. Guilt, condemnation, shame, burden, bowed down with care. God gave his son to win, to redeem, to buy back. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. He pardoned me. He took all of that debt that was weighing me down and he removed it. Why? So I can be free to share Jesus. That's why. I have the security to do it. I have the confidence to do it. I have the understanding because I've experienced the love of God. I don't have to do it because the pastor said so or because somebody did a class on evangelism. I do it because Jesus is compelling me through his love to want to see them experience the love of Christ. That's why. Not exposing my gift, exposing the God who gives the gift. He goes on to say, O love of God, how rich and pure. It's the purest form of love we'll ever have because ours is selfish, it's tainted, it's not perfect, it fails. God's love never fails. It's perfect love and it's rich. How measureless and strong. We can't, we can't begin to fathom the depth of his love. And how strong is it? Paul said in Romans 8, nothing can separate us from God's love. That's how strong it is. Nothing can separate us from his love. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. Now look at this one. Could we with ink the ocean fill? If we filled the hole that the ocean is in and fill it with ink, and were the skies a parchment, it was one big piece of paper across the sky, and every stock on earth a quill, and every man ascribed by trade, every person would write the love of God above. Here's what it says. It would drain the ocean dry. There wouldn't be enough ink in the hole in the ocean to write down everything about God's love. Nor could the scroll, we would run out of paper, contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. I, it's encouraging to me. And then, um, well, I thought I had this other verse here. Um, maybe I didn't put it on the uh, overhead because this was crucial too. Oh, no, here's what he says. That last verse there um, this one here is actually verse 3 in the song. Frederick Lehman, who penned this song, tells us that verse 3 had been found penciled on the wall of a patient's room in an insane asylum after he had been carried to his grave. And while it is only supposition, they say, 
that he was the one who adapted the Jewish author's poem to leave these well-known lines. If the account is true, it shows in any case that he highly esteemed the message. And here's what he says in Romans 8, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I can go through some very awful circumstances. I can go through some very painful experiences in life. But there is no awful circumstance or painful situation that can remove God's love from me. Nothing can strip God's commitment to care for me and provide for me. I'm loved by God. And so are you. And therefore, you have security and freedom to use the gifts that God has given you. But how many people believe the lie I'm going to sit back in the shadows. I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to serve. I could get hurt. I could be embarrassed. I could be whatever. And you believe a thousand lies. And you don't believe the love of God. It's so crucial. The gifts will not work without his love. Secondly, we are justified by faith. Not through good deeds, not through human effort. I am justified by faith in Jesus Christ. He says in um, Romans 1 7 that we, let me go back to it again, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. How can we be saints? We've been justified by faith. The result, the justification, this justification is the result of salvation. We have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I have God's peace. I have his forgiveness and his love. And now I have gifts that I can use. You see, there never should be a benchwarmer Christian. The only benchwarmer Christian has no concept of the love and the grace of God. They are living defeated, discouraged, despondent lives. I mean, God has given us everything we need. He really has. He tells us we've been justified. Here's what it means to be justified to absolve or acquit. Now, I had to look these words up. I'm like, I don't use these words, absolve and acquit, but these are like legal terms. It means, absolve means to pronounce or declare someone free from guilt, blame, or responsibility. My guilt, my blame, my responsibility has been removed, my responsibility for my sin, because God has taken it upon me. He lets me off the hook to set me free from a certain obligation, and I'm forgiven for my wrongdoing. I've been granted pardon. That's a wonderful thing. To acquit means to decide that someone is not guilty of a crime. 
to decide officially in a law court that someone is not guilty of a particular crime. I have been justified by God. I have been forgiven by God. And it's a wonderful thing. And here's what he says. If anyone is in Christ, if I've been justified by faith, I've been placed in Jesus Christ. If I've been placed in Jesus Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. The new creation has brought, been brought into existence by God. I am a divine creation. And this new creation, listen, this new creation gives me a heart for service. Not out of guilt. The love of Christ motivates me. The justification by faith motivates me. And so this is what this tells me. If someone comes in and they say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I accepted Christ way back here, they have no understanding. If they are not serving in the church and using their gifts and talent, they, are, they don't understand what I'm talking about. You can't. <laughs> it's so vital that we understand this. Absolutely vital. And I want to serve God with my whole heart. If I do not have a motivation for serving God, it's a big indicator that something's wrong inside. If I want to serve God, but listen to this on the other hand, if I want to serve God but I have not surrendered my life to God, it might show I'm hoping to justify myself through human effort and God will not accept human effort as payment for my sin. He will not. Well, let me give you the third one here. Delivered from sin. We are loved by God, we are justified by faith, and we are delivered from sin. Therefore, I have a heart for sanctification. He says to all those in Rome, 1-7, who are loved by God and called to be saints. Saints separate themselves from sin. Saints means to be holy, like God is holy. And so I've been delivered from sin, and therefore, because I've been delivered from sin, and I've been clean by the blood of Christ, I distance myself as far as I can from sin. Now, that doesn't mean I move out into the wilderness away from everybody and build my own little... No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I distance myself from sin. I don't engage in that kind of activity. I'm engaged in the world and in the culture to transform it, but I'm not conforming to the culture. I've been transformed by God. Therefore, I will abhor sin. My love for God and His Word grows as my hatred of sin grows. There was a heathen Epicurean poet, and in his sober thinking, he was even able to testify as a heathen poet. He said, good men avoid sin from the love of virtue, but wicked men avoid sin for fear of punishment. And I thought, our virtue is God. Psalm 119, 104. Through your precepts, I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Through God's precepts, I hate every false way. I learn what it is and I run away from it. He says in Romans 12, 9, if you look down just a few verses in Romans 12, he says in verse 9, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to that which is good. 
Now, let me give you just a little statement here to summarize what we just said. When the love of God grows in the people of God, the gifts of God will be visible as the members of the body of Christ serve one another. This loving service to one another will result in growth in the body of Christ. So that if the body of Christ is not growing, there is a love problem. <laughs> we are not understanding the love of God and we are not expressing that love to one another. There's a love problem. Let me move on. Reality concerning spiritual gifts. God uses people to accomplish ministry. You know, when you look back all through history, I, I read about Charles Spurgeon and Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield and uh, John and Charles Wesley, and the list goes on and on. Charles Finney, and, and you just go on and on. Billy Graham, Jerry Falwell, D. James Kennedy. God uses people to accomplish ministry. Now, if you were God, if you were God, how motivated would you want your people to be that you made? How motivated would you want them to be? How loving would you want them to be? Your church, if this is your church, you're looking down, you're seeing your church, how would you want your people to act toward a stranger at Bethesda Church? Or maybe they got a tattoo, or maybe they got colored hair, or maybe they don't smell so good. How would you want your church, if you were God, to treat that person? Would you sit with them? Would you love them? Would you care about them? Because we, it doesn't matter the gift. It operates through love. Somebody that's burdened, would you, would you... Well, we don't have a scheduled prayer meeting, but would you pull them off into a classroom and say, let, let, let me pray with you and weep with you about that need. I can tell it's, it burdens your heart. Would you do that? Because God uses people to accomplish ministry, which means if he doesn't have the people, ministry goes undone. Because every, few people can't do it all. <laughs> it requires a whole body. Serving, working together. God is actively looking for men and women, teenagers and children who desire to be used by God. And you say, how do you know that? I know that from the Old Testament. <laughs> Look at this verse. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. The eyes of the Lord run. I said, eyes don't run. What it means is they are eagerly seeking out men and women, boys and girls who have a heart for God, and he is actually going to give you strong support if you want to do his work. He's going to strengthen your hands for the task. He's going to strengthen my hands. for. The... But the eyes of the Lord are looking for those kind of people right now in South Dakota, in Huron, in Beetle County, in Wessington Springs, in Wolsey, in Wounded Knee, in Rapid City, Aberdeen, Sioux Falls. He, the eyes of the Lord are running throughout South Dakota and even Bethesda Church. 
looking for people who will serve him, who will love him, and say, God, chapter 12, Romans, what does it say? A living sacrifice. Living sacrifice is giving up their rights. Say, God, my rights are on the table. A living sacrifice is giving up their life. And that's what God has called us to do. That's the foundation for gifts, to be used. Right thinking is essential for effective ministry. Notice what Paul says in Romans 12, 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. We need to have a humble attitude. And guess what? When I understand God's grace and God's love toward me, it humbles me. Doesn't it? Doesn't it do that to you? It humbles you. Now, who am I? I'm a conduit. I'm a channel through which God's love can flow. I'm a recipient of God's love and grace. I cannot do anything apart from him. Therefore, I have nothing to boast about. And you remember, and I'll just mention this quickly, Saul, King Saul in the Old Testament, he decided he was going to do something that God commanded him not to do. And what did God do? He stripped the kingdom away from him because he wasn't thinking right. He acted in pride, and God stripped it away from him. That's what God can do to us. If we want to operate in pride, he said, go ahead, but I'm going to strip this away from you. And I am going to give that kingship to someone who has a heart for God. And he gave it to David. And what was David called? A man after God's own heart. Because God is looking to and fro through the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are blameless, committed to him. Let me just mention this in closing. Unity and diversity is vital for effective ministry. And what I mean by that is this. Paul says further down in verse 6, we have different gifts. How? According to the grace given us. Notice how Paul keeps coming back to grace. It's according to the grace given us. We have diversity of gifts, which means we have different abilities. We have different levels of influence. We have different personalities. We have different abilities. Don't despise the one who has a different gift than you. Don't expect them to operate the same way you do. They're going to operate differently. Because we're going to look at those in weeks to come, what these different gifts are and how they should be used in the body of Christ. And it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. He put them in there and fit them in the way he wanted them to be. And there may be somebody in that picture and puzzle that rubs you the wrong way. In fact, I can almost guarantee you there's somebody in this church that rubs you the wrong way. And guess what? God wants to get rid of your rough edges too. <laughs> we always think the other person has all the rough edges, but the truth of the matter is we all have rough edges. We all need to be shaved down and filed down. 
And so God wants to use that irritant and that person to develop more love and grace in our lives. Well, we're going to continue on next week. I'm going to stop here. And uh, we're going to continue on. We've laid a good foundation now to go into the whole aspect of what these individual gifts are. And we'll talk about those in, starting next week. Let's stand for a word of prayer. I would ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And while you do that, I just want to ask you and, I, and, I, and encourage you to go home this week and maybe even get your, if you understand, in the back of the Bible is a concordance. And you can look up verses on the love of God. And I would encourage you to do that and write down how loved you are by God. In what ways has he loved you? In what ways has he shown you his grace? And, and write those down and, and reflect upon them individually, as a family. Reflect upon God's love, that we are recipients of gifts that God has given us. And the first gifts are his grace and his love. Because that's where all the other gifts will flow out of that. And it ought to humble us. And so, to realize, maybe you're here this morning and you've struggled. You know what? You say, I, I struggle with belonging because at school the kids shun me. I feel like an outsider. Um, you belong. And if you understand God's love, you'll know how to get somebody else's and you'll know how to relate to them in a better way self-worth your self-worth does not come from what you do you may struggle in school with your grades you may struggle in your work and you think man I'm not worth you know the job I have uh, well no your worth is not based on what you do it's who you are in Christ what he has done your competence as well God has made you competent to do something in this world for his honor and glory. And your purpose, your reason for existence, God has given to you. And he's poured his love into our hearts. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're going to struggle with every one of these belonging, feeling any sense of value, feeling competent, lacking purpose and direction. And God can give you all of that when you receive his love. And it's a lifetime understanding it. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for our sin. His death on the cross, the Bible says, paid for our sin so we don't have to. That's how much he loved us. He demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. And because he did, I can receive his forgiveness, his salvation, his justification to make me clean. You can be, walk out of here a clean person today. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have questions, I'll be shaking hands after service. Please feel free to come by and speak with me or someone else about your soul. For those of us who are saved, which would be the majority, then we should seek to understand and comprehend in a greater way God's love for us. Let's pray.
We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.